Guys, today is December 16th, and I'm glad to uh, release this episode today. Uh, one, not only is it my birthday, but I've been waiting to release this uh, episode and have been excited about this interview that you're about to hear with Jessica and with Damon Alaniz. Both of these are co-workers. We work at ExxonMobil together, and you know, you will hear their incredible stories and what they have done, uh, but they have a very unique um, um perspective on what it's like to grow up in the valley and struggle with the family uh, conflict when it comes to having to move away from home. And, you know, there are some uh, cultural uh, uh, stigmas that Jessica does a great job discussing that uh, parents might be thinking or family members might be thinking. So, again, a very I'm very excited about this particular uh, episode. I've been seeing also on social media that uh, pretty much for all you college students, you have wrapped up your semesters for the most part. Finals are behind you. I've been seeing some incredible, awesome pictures uh, from graduations, family pictures and pictures posted by the schools. And it just uh, took me back. I actually found a picture that I took when I was sitting waiting for commencement to begin back in 2011. I posted that on Instagram. So you might want to check that out. And that was literally what my view was back in 2011. So uh, to seeing y'all's posts uh, certainly took me back to memory lane. So congratulations to all the recent grads. Uh, to all you students that uh, finished your finals, hey, go home, relax, and get start planning for the new year. I hope you have a very wonderful holiday. I think I'll probably do one more episode before I, I call it quits for the year, uh, but the jury's still out on that one. It's just going to depend on how time goes and so on. But uh, if, if I don't release it, well, then this, you know, happy new year. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. I hope you're surrounded by family. And thank you, thank you very much to everyone who has been listening and has supported me in this project so far. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. So today I've got uh, the pleasure to talk with Jessica Damon. And look, this is a, a conversation that I've been wanting to revisit. So a little background, right? So uh, Jessica and Damien and I are all they all work for ExxonMobil, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, for sure later on in the conversation. But we are also all part of the ship recruiting team, and so we were at nationals, and and we were just having a we were at a dinner and having a discussion, and the topic came up, and I and and I always have a tendency sometimes to give the uh, the uh, whole moral of the story away at the beginning. But if we had a good conversation about what their experiences were like leaving their homes and and family adjusting to that. So we'll get to that part of the uh, uh, that's one of the main things that we want to kind of talk about today. And the the, the conversation was a, a really good one at dinner. And actually, I'm going to give credit to, to Jessica because she's the one that said, hey, I have an idea that would be great for, for the podcast. And then we talked it out and I agreed. And so here we are finally getting the chance to revisit that uh, conversation. So Jessica, Damien, thank you for uh, making yourselves available. Uh, I know it's kind of it's late and it's during the week, but uh, I plan to uh, share your story because I think it's a pretty powerful one. So no, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Sure. So let's go ahead and start at the beginning. Right. So one, one thing that I do want to make sure that people hear is just your individual story. So, Jessica, why don't you tell us about, hey, where you grew up, where you're from and just uh, and let's start there. Yeah, so I grew up in what we call the Valley, to South Texas, specifically Hidalgo. It's composed of several little small cities along the border. I have three siblings that were all five years apart, and that kind of plays a story later on. 
So there's three of us. So my youngest brother is 15 years younger than me. So about 13 or so right now. Then I have my mom and my dad. Well, my mom, she lived part of her life in Mexico, part of it in the U.S., finished high school and finished her bachelor's here in the U.S. and graduated as a teacher. Okay. And then my dad lived the majority of his life in Mexico. And then he came to the U.S. and was a waiter for some time. And then he did a lot of scaffolding, which kind of plays a role into a little bit of what I do now. And I'll talk about it later. Okay. During high school, I found my passion for engineering somewhat early on in early junior high. So the high school I went to is Science Academy. So it's strictly focused in engineering. So instead of having electives like music or dance, you have electives like digital electronics, like, and a lot of engineering type of classes. So really early on, I was able to see like, you know what, engineering is kind of what I like. It's a little different in South Texas. So they're starting to come up with these like charter schools. So they're, Free schools, but there is still like focus on different aspects. Got it. And you said your so your mom just so that I kind of get, get a clear idea. Uh, she came and she went to like was she do high school here and then went to college here or or what was that like? Yeah, yeah. She actually moved from Mexico to the U.S. Uh, sometime in like I think late junior high and then finished high school here in the U.S. with literally like just starting from scratch of like learning the language and she eventually went to college, was able to graduate. And obviously I was born way like early during the process of college. Uh By the time uh, she graduated, she attributed me being in her belly when she was taking like college algebra and things like that of like my math instincts. (laughs) (laughs) She was saying you were giving them to her. That's interesting. That's funny. And, and at the time, so you mentioned, hey, you went to these like high schools that were like STEM oriented. Is that primarily where the influence for you, your decision came from? Was that or did your parents also have some sort of knowledge or is there some family knowledge of, about engineering where you kind of got that backing at home or was it strictly at the schools? The, the, in my family specifically, there are several engineers. The majority of them are men and work in Mexico. So I think my parents knew of the concept of engineering. I think it was an internal battle of like, do we recommend this for her? Do we not? Is that really an adequate career for a woman? But overall, I still went to the high school because they could see my passion mm-hmm. and they were just kind of testing it out. And they're like, well, if she likes it, she likes it. But once in school, it made sense that my attitude and the way I was fit super well with the other people. And I fit in with the school environment and everything made perfect sense. So that definitely sparked engineering and my kind of, just made it grow and grow. Okay. And where'd you end up going to school? Yeah. yeah, I did my undergrad in UT San Antonio and then I did my master's in Stanford. So okay. civil engineering and then structure and geomechanics engineering masters. A master's. All right. Awesome. All right. So wow. you got your fully loaded accreditation. I didn't realize maybe you told me, but I forgot that you did have that master's uh, as well. All right. So Damon, we haven't forgotten about you, man. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I guess this is probably a good time to say that Jessica and I are married. Uh, so I grew up in Hidalgo, Texas as well. Um, you know, went to the same high school. Uh, we had very similar kind of passions growing up and kind of the STEM careers. Um, you know, from my family, though, I grew up with my grandma and my grandpa and my mom. Uh, single, single mom raised me. Uh, no siblings, so I am an only child, so I, I do get spoiled. 
And I get spoiled with like the good stuff. Like my grandma makes me tortillas every time I go back home. I'm talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, it's been, it was good growing up with kind of that, that family environment. Yeah. And going back to school, uh, went to high school at Science Academy as well. Very STEM oriented. Uh, but kind of what got me interested in engineering was during the summers, there was like a program in the local university, uh, UTRGV. Now, back in the day, it was called UT Pan American. Yeah. But UTRGV had a program for, I think it started at middle school and then it was like, it went in through high school. Uh, but it was summers of just experimenting. We built a go-kart. We did like bottle, like rocket bottles rockets things uh, we did like egg drop toss like a bunch of like stem activities um and that kind of got me kind of inspired in the in the engineering uh career path and so and, and kind of along the same questions like i asked jessica so you mentioned your mom and your grandparents give, give me an idea what did the, what, what did they do for work uh so like my mom uh lived in mexico most of her life and my grandpa when he was kind of i guess in his uh in his like 40s, maybe even 50s, he moved it to the U.S. to do a lot of construction type work. And that's kind of one of the time where a lot of the, you know, growth was happening in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, so he, when he came over, he brought, uh, it, I guess, his kids. And my mom came, but she was had already graduated high school. Um, and she kind of got a job. Like there were migrant workers as well. So besides the, the, uh, the construction jobs, you know, they would also do like uh, they would go out to Indiana and, and kind of uh, do kind of migrant worker um, stuff. And my mom just kind of got like uh, just a lot of she had a various lot like, I guess, uh, what is it called? Minimum wage jobs. OK. Uh, she worked just kind of different jobs throughout her her life. Right now, what she does is. Um, she did a lot of like cafeteria management for a while. So she really enjoys that. And that's kind of what she does today. Yeah. And I like to ask people that I talk to like that, just again, to kind of get an idea of like where influences might've come from ultimately for engineering, right? And because you see, I see a broad, yeah. a, a broad spectrum of folks that either like immediate family members had engineering or others that just picked it up because of school or, or something like that, which is why I kind of like to dig into that. So somewhere in there, uh, and like you mentioned, you got interested in STEM. And uh, so where did you go to school and what's your degrees? And t t tell us your, your 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 credentials, man. Yeah. So uh, I actually started at uh, UT RGV uh, right out of high school. And I wanted to kind of stay close to home. And uh, Jessica and I, we weren't dating at the time. Um, but, you know, we started, we kind of still kept in touch. And she went to UTSA, so. And she would kind of talk it up a little bit. So I decided to transfer over to UTSA probably like a year and a half in okay. into my mechanical engineering degree. So I started doing mechanical engineering as kind of like ever since I was in those STEM camps, I kind of wanted to do mechanical engineering. So I uh, kept with it, graduated from UT San Antonio um, in 2014, and I joined ExxonMobil that same year. Okay. All right. And so you guys, it was once, I guess, once y'all were at UTSA, is that when, you know, all this magic happened and you guys uh, started dating and stuff? Yeah. That's, that's when it happened. <laughs> that's when it yeah, happened. Yeah. Surprisingly, it was at a ship conference. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. They weren't, they weren't yeah. That, that, that happens. Yeah. I see that a lot, right? I mean, 
There's, they do say that you you end up meeting a lot of familia and chef and and things like that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. So all right. So I guess. And I was thinking in my head, right? Because ultimately, I want to I want to talk about you guys moving away. But let's go ahead and pause right here. And now let's let's kind of move fast forward a little bit. So you guys both work for Exxon Mobil, and I kind of want to uh, to hear uh, your your Exxon Mobil uh, story, right? So Jessica, why don't you tell me, you know, your internship, and then we'll revisit all the fun stuff in a second. But just kind of tell me the internships that you did and what your experience is like, and what are you currently doing today? Yeah, so my very first internship, so I finished my high school with two years of college experience. So although I was a freshman in college, I already had the two years. So by credit, it was like sophomore, junior. So a lot of my friends didn't really think that you can get an internship as a freshman. I had literally nothing to lose. So I went out there and we had the ExxonMobil booth with just one recruiter because it was the first uh, first or second year that the ExxonMobil recruiter attended the career fair. And I was fortunate to get an internship where I was doing in the summer in Houston, I did more like execution planning. And then one internship led to another, which led to another. So I did another one focused more with our environmental services aspect of our company in California. And then another one with environmental services, but focused more on research and different remediation types. And then my very last one back in Houston doing uh, with a production company, more like digital technology and asset management. So like our offshore structures, we have control centers and so forth. Mm-hmm. So immediately after that, I graduated and then I came back to ExxonMobil. So Damon and I started about the same day and I started with the upstream part of the company doing very like detailed design of offshore platforms, which is what I did my master's on and I was very passionate. Later, I knew that project management was also very exciting. So I was able to up on and become a cost engineering Baytown and that led to becoming a project analyst and also Baytown. And I'm currently a project manager for a water treatment plant project in our refinery. That's awesome. So you had multiple internships that obviously went well and you were able to, uh, to get in. So as a project manager, do you have people working for you? Oh, so as a project manager, I have people that work for me that are exactly what my dad used to do. So I go out there and my dad used to be one of these like blue collar workers that would be doing scaffolding. But now we go out there and we have like 20 people doing scaffolding. We have maybe at a time we might have like 80 construction workers. And that doesn't include all the people that are doing engineering for us, plus all the other support organizations that we have. So it's huge responsibility and it's very humbling to see that a company like ExxonMobil would empower someone that when you go maybe to different places or different cultures, you're like, well, either like she's a Hispanic woman and very young, like, is that something she can handle or she should be handling? But it's, it's very interesting to go out there and everybody really respects you and kind of like gets things done. I think they, they admire to see Hispanics that they have to report to because it seems that they they really like that. Yeah, so and you said something there that I think is key. You said, hey, they end up, you know, they they respect you, but um, that doesn't happen by chance. Uh, Can can you talk about why you think that you've been able to be successful in that? Yeah, so part of it is is really just a huge part of it is the language, like being able to talk to them and touch base on like, all right, realistically, I'm on your side when I say, we need to be safe and be safe out there developing that relationship and yeah. seeing like when I see you, I see my cousin, I see my dad, like I truly care for your well-being. And that kind of creates more like of a family environment and more of a team effort versus 
hey, I'm paying you and you need to work for me. Yeah. So kind of helping them understand that really goes a long way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Damien, at some point I'm going to let you go first, all right? <laughs> now, but go ahead, Damien. Why don't you tell us your, your, your ExxonMobil story? Uh, yeah, I started in a kind of different um, – there's a little bit different story because most of my internships were kind of all over the place. Um, I had my first internship with Marathon Oil, and that uh, was in Detroit, Michigan. So I really enjoyed that. I was a production engineering intern. Um, and then from there, I went on to do another internship with uh, General Motors, also again in Michigan. Um, and I was in, in manufacturing uh, General Motors and General Motors was kind of a my dream job that I use quotations for that. Yeah. Um, I really, I really thought I was going to be designing the next Corvette. So it wasn't the case. Um, however, very good, valuable experiences there. I did it. I did it for two years, two internships. Um, and then after that, I kind of figured out, Hey, I don't think manufacturing is kind of what I want to do long-term. Uh, so I went back to like the petrochemical industry and uh, did an internship with Dow Chemicals in Houston. And I was doing instrumentation engineering uh, while I was at Dow. Um, so very engineering focused kind of throughout my, my different internships till kind of, you know, graduating and going to several shit conferences that I uh, met some of the recruiters there at ExxonMobil. I applied, and Jessica had, you know, amazing things to say. The fact that she stayed there for every internship was is a, something a good sign. So, okay, uh, I applied, and I got into ExxonMobil. That's pretty cool. So along the way, you're seeing she's doing repeat internships and talking it up, and you were you were looking at, you know, still trying to figure out what you wanted to do. Uh, I kind of found. So I want to go back. You had mentioned, hey. You're a mechanical engineer. You wanted to line up with General Motors. You thought you were going to design cars. So what what changed once you had it? Um, you know, is the expectation was uh, completely different. You know, kind of growing up was, you know, you had an idea of hey, if you're going to design something, you got into like, you know, the the design like field, and you were like on AutoCAD. You were working with several engineers to see what it's going to look like working on the engine. And, you know, in maybe some parts of General Motors had that, uh, where I got the experience was in manufacturing. So what I saw was mainly like the production lines, making sure that, you know, a particular part was just done exactly correct every single time and looking at uh, kind of an assembly line and making sure that that uh, went through and done correctly. For me, it just became a little bit more kind of repetitive okay. on just the fact of, hey, there's a product and you got to make sure that it's pretty consistent. There was very little variability during those internships, okay. which I kind of didn't enjoy. Okay. Gotcha. And then you were, you were at Dow, so you're mechanical engineering, you're doing instrumentation. Was that typical there or was that, uh, I mean, for us, I know, for, uh, and I'm just, and the reason I'm asking, of course, I know internally for us, typically instrumentation is something an EE gets. So I, I yeah. it just kind of piqued my interest that, as a mechanical engineer, you were doing instrumentation, but. Yeah, no, it was, it's super interesting because, yeah, typically it is an electrical engineer that goes into those type of roles. Um, but I know when I was there, it was, I, I thought it was pretty relevant to a mechanical engineer. Um, I did, I was doing design. So 
trying to figure out what type of instrumentation would go on a particular line on a new chemical plant that Dow was building. Um, that was actually, you know, I really, really enjoyed that internship. Um, just working with, you know, the process designers, yeah. um, kind of the retaining equipment engineers. And, um, you know, it, I, I, for some reason, I mean, yes, it's very, I guess, electrical uh, heavy, but it's not to the point where like your electives didn't cover your electrical and electives didn't cover it in school. So. Okay. Okay. So you end up uh, working for ExxonMobil, right? Mm-hmm. So what have you, yeah. give, give me a little story there on what you've done, roles and stuff. Yeah. So I, I started in um, global real estate and facilities uh, at the time. That's what it was called right now. It's called environmental and property solutions. Um, but I started doing facilities engineering and what I thought was kind of a, a facilities engineer, you know, I was thinking like at a, a you know, offshore plant or maybe at a um, just kind of a, an actual production facility. Uh, but no, it was really strictly like commercial building. So things that like, you know, buildings, skyscrapers, any type of like building that we had um, that we were maintaining uh, we were looking at like HVAC systems, the electrical units, the building automation systems, so things that um, you know wasn't really exposed to, but it was really really interesting to see that side of the business um, because it wasn't an oil and gas business, so it was really really interesting to get that experience in ExxonMobil as my first job. Um, and then from there, um, from facilities engineering, um, I got into a data analytics role. Uh, within that environmental and property group. Uh, so I started doing data analytics and that was a very good assignment because um, this was a, a brand new group that was kind of getting built from like the ground up. So setting up the strategy, you know, thinking about how we're going to manage data going forward, um, figuring out what the group was going to be doing long-term. Like there was such an amazing opportunity to like build a team and build a, you know, a vision and a mission for a team from scratch. That was really, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and then from there, I, I went into the environmental side. So um, from data analytics, went into environmental uh, management. So uh, we have a ton of property all over the world and we, uh, we want to be good citizens and clean up after ourselves in a lot of situations where Hey, maybe things didn't go so right. So we do a lot of the subsurface remediation. So whether it be putting up a system to extract, um, you know, vapor or hydrocarbons from the ground or actually doing kind of excavation work and remediation work at different um, at different properties. Um, that's kind of what our group did. And I was mainly uh, kind of focused on the financials and the strategy of how do we kind of bundle up a lot of our different properties and, uh, do different contracting strategies and stuff like that. Um, and I did that for like a year and a half. And uh, right now what I'm doing, you know, it's, I feel like everything's been completely different since like day one. Um, but right now what I'm doing is I'm a commercial advisor for uh, our upstream uh, group for upstream business development. And I'm supporting the divestments for the upstream. So anything that we have that we're divesting, that's kind of a, um, that all goes through our shop and we look at kind of what's the marketing plan that we have to go through, uh, what approvals that we have to get from governments and regulatory like 
um, bodies. And, you know, it's just a kind of what do we do our due diligence when we go and divest a, a particular asset in, mm-hmm. in the upstream. See, and that's awesome. And I love hearing that's I love hearing people's stories because, you know, the 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 variety of stuff that even both of y'all have done right from where you started and the jobs that you're doing is uh, is pretty incredible. One, a testament to the company. Look, I always tell people I love where I work uh, because you do get a a variety of assignments. uh, But the other thing, too, is that that I like to, to tell people where you think you start and the degree that you're getting and that first idea of a job that you're going to get or what you think your career might look like, uh, that's not necessarily uh, where it ends. And I kind of find regardless of what company you work for, that tends to be to be the case. So I can't you both of y'all mentioned ship and I can't uh, I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't give a ship a plug. So, Damon, why don't you tell me about the, the, the influence that ship had for you? Uh, throughout uh, throughout college and maybe why you continue to give back even now as a recruiter and then uh, Jessica after he answers if you'll answer the same question that'd be great yeah um, so one of the things that ship you know really was kind of fundamental for an engineering student was teaching you the abilities of um, kind of working with different people being able to present ideas clearly um, you know, it, it's just the, the different like people skills that you normally wouldn't get in your engineering courses. Right. Um, that's really where I saw a lot of the, um, the biggest influence from ship. Um, so when I was at UTSA, uh, I became the ship president, uh, while I was there and, and got a lot of students to kind of get on board because you can see them kind of struggle, uh, when they've, whenever they don't have that support network of, hey, how do I go and interview? What do I do with my resume? They had all these different questions. And for me, it was kind of second nature because I, you know, I found about found out about SHIP kind of very, very early on. But there were still a ton of students that d- didn't know kind of some basic fundamentals of what to put in resume, what not to put. Um, so that that was that was super helpful just having that experience with ship. And that's kind of what, um, what I got most out of ship. And I, that's whenever we go and recruit at the ship conference, um, half of it is actually recruiting. Uh, but the other half is, you know, teaching the students when they go out there, uh, what to do with their resume, how to present themselves when they come and speak to us, giving them that feedback that they need so that, Hey, maybe they don't get a job at the Exxon mobile booth, but they leave the ExxonMobil booth knowing that much better what to do when they go onto the next booth, whatever that may be. Yes. And for me, kind of a lot of the things resonate and they're very similar to me. For me, like I moved straight out of high school to a brand new school, a brand new city. I had very few friends like going. So then as I joined UTSA, the first group I joined was SHIP. And I realized it's like, hey, it's a lot of Hispanic engineers. So I jived really well. So automatically, I got kind of like a friend group. And although I got my internship pretty early on, I was still going to the conferences and doing all of that. So through that, I realized that, hey, I continuously improved my resume. I was able to get the experience of how to properly do an interview and what to say, what not to say, and then kind of bring that back to the organization. So it was really nice to be able to motivate students and be able to tell them that, hey, sometimes a student gets an internship and another one does it. And the only difference is how they formatted their resume and how they presented themselves. So that was 
really nice to be able to bring all those skills back and kind of tie them to the group. No, and that's awesome. And I like what you said there about how you, it wasn't just a resume, but how you present it, right? And how you're able to like vocalize and talk about your experiences so that like when somebody asks you a question, you're able to answer, right? And, and I think both of y'all kind of touched on it when we go and recruit. Uh, it's not just like, hey, I want to fill, I, I, got, I need X amount of engineers. And as soon as we're done, we're going to, you know, go be tourists. I mean, it's not, it's like, how can we help these students that, I mean, we've been there, right? In our own way, we've all been there. We've all had the same struggle. So I, I think, uh, you know, Damon, you said 50-50. I really, I think, it, I think it's more towards mentorship and less towards recruiting. But, uh, uh, but yeah. uh, the, the point being, it, it's not just about uh, the, the recruiting itself. I guess I want to hear y'all's comments. And I wasn't going to, I wasn't thinking I was going to ask this. Students always wonder what it's like when recruiters are making selections. How tough is it to make decisions between one candidate to another? And, and do you take it personally? And give, give me your thoughts on, on, on what you guys see as us as a team, right? The ship recruiting team and, and what that, that share a little bit about what that, that dynamics like. So, so I'll start with this one. I think, I, I think it's a little bit of twofold what I've seen. So one, we have, right? Some criteria is like we want them to have the right leadership and the right experience and the good GPA that reflects that they've been, you know, really trying and very hard dedicated. Yeah. But then making the decision, sometimes you have candidates that both represent those same skill sets and they both have everything. And it is very difficult differentiating between them. Something that I always try to think about is, can I see this person working for me, with me, and then and me working for them at the end? And sometimes you see that personality come out and, you know, the grit and the perseverance. And that really sets the difference between some candidates and the other ones. Well, you can tell that, hey, if this person can't find the answer, they're, you know they're going to figure it out one way or another. Well, with other candidates, you know, you, you don't quite see that. So that's something that, that I try to find. And, and it's very clear when you find that in someone. Yeah. Damon, how much time do we spend talking about like when it came down and we had our meeting, how, how much time did we spend talking about candidates? Oh, man, we can spend like 20 minutes or 30 minutes on just one candidate yeah. trying to figure out or between two candidates. It's really, really like it's hard, right, because you're making a decision that's going to impact, you know, the company that you work for and that individual's life. Right. So, uh, you know, ideally you want somebody that's kind of there for the long term, and that's kind of what you're hiring. Yeah. And it's really, really tough to understand that, you know, from a, you know, one hour interview. Right. So. Yeah. Cause we spent several hours, right. Debriefing, you know, uh, every night. And then even after we all went to the career fair, we sat there and we talked for a very long time. But what I wanted people to hear was just like, it's not like, all right, uh, you know, th these are the top five and we walk away. It's, it's a, we take the decision seriously, I guess is what I, the point I was trying to make. So let's, uh, now let's go back to the meat, right? Kind of the, 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 the topic that I really wanted to spend some time in and, and that I think is going to be the most, uh, the powerful one for, in my opinion. Uh, so you guys both have, have, have quote unquote made it right. you both have, I've had amazing and wonderful careers with, uh, Exxon Mobil. Uh, you, you, you've done a very, a varied amount of, of, uh, of assignments. You're involved in minority recruiting. So kind of giving back, but there was a moment in between there and, and I'll, Damon, I'll let you start. 
where you had to navigate, I guess I'll just say leaving the valley or leaving home. Uh, so why don't you kind of, and I'll let you kind of decide how you want to set that up, but I, I, I yeah. want to start focusing on that area of your story. Yeah, no. And, you know, kind of like when I first mentioned my first internship was in, in Detroit, Michigan. So if you think of the Valley and you think of Michigan, they're like literally on the other side of the country. Uh, and I had not left. I had, don't think I had even gotten on a plane uh, before then. Um, and my, my mom was very much of the, like, Hey, you're going to stay here. Like the ideal career path for me in my mom's eyes was you're studying engineering, but engineering students or engineers are good at math. So you could probably find like a math teacher job here in in the Valley. So that's kind of what the, the, the goal, the career plan that my mom had in her mind. Yeah. Uh, so when, when I came to her and said, Hey, um, I kind of want to go to Detroit and try out this engineering job in, in marathon. She, she said, no, you're not. And it's like, well, why am I doing this engineering thing? Right. And I love my mom, but you know, I was, I was really, really upset when she kind of, uh, did that. So she took away the keys to my car and, uh, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to take a bus over there because obviously I couldn't afford a plane. So I took a bus to Michigan, which was right around like 26 hours. Oh, geez. And this was like a bus that was just kind of, you know, you stopped in Dallas and moved to a different bus. But from there on, it was just kind of all the way to Michigan from there on. But it was, uh, it was kind of, kind of tough. What, I think helped my mom understand the fact that like leaving home was um, kind of a, like a a possibility or even a kind of reality was hearing it from other people. You know, it's kind of like they kind of, you grew up with them. um, They taught you everything, you know, but at one point they're like, no, you, you don't know better than I do. Right. So having that, different person to balance that idea and say, Hey, you know, Damien's going to have to leave. There's no jobs here. There's a better opportunity for him to grow. If he goes away, like several people had to have that discussion with her for her to say, say, okay, finally, I'm okay with this. Um, you know, so to this day, she, she kind of like regrets doing that, but, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it is kind of very difficult and taking that, courage of conviction to say hey i'm gonna do this anyways is is really important times those are the things that we look for in candidates right to say like how did they kind of persevere how did they have courage of conviction to to move um into the position that they're in today so so in hindsight right so your mom her, her it sounds like her first immediate reaction was like nope this isn't gonna happen you're gonna stay here like in hindsight, what do you think, uh, what was it, was it fear or was it an actual, no, this entire time I expect you to stay here and, and do, do certain things? I think it was mainly fear. Um, you know, I am an only child. So for her, it's like, it's, it's just me. Right. So yeah. it's me and I'm, I'm leaving and it, for her, it could have been, I'm leaving forever. Right. So yeah, I think it was mainly fear. Um, you know, my mom's a pretty logical person. 
Um, so it, yeah, she just, she was definitely driven by fear in that one. And so, did, and that was the first one that, when you went out to GM, did it resolve itself by the time you were going to, uh, to, to Dow or, or, or was it an ongoing thing like every summer? Oh no. Like pretty much, um, um, a month into my uh, Detroit internship. So I, I went, I think it was a co-op. So I went during the winter of, in Detroit and that winter was one of the worst winters recorded in history for, for Detroit. Oh, the fact that I was kind of going grocery shopping to like the Seven Eleven convenience store, like walking in like, you know, sub zero temperatures um, that kind of made my mom's like, Hey, okay. He kind of needs a car over there. And that's when she kind of realized, okay, she, she needs, he needs more support, um, uh, while, while he's there. So from there, she kind of talked to several people. Uh, she helped me with the car, bringing the car back to Detroit. So that way I could move around. But from there on, it was just like, she understood that I had to go wherever I had to go during that summer. So you're working at GM and you don't have a car, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So how are you, how are you getting around? How are you getting to and from your internship? <laughs> well, this is like pre Uber and pre Lyft. Yeah, too, so it wasn't, it was really tough. Like I had to like my first day I had to like, like get a taxi. Uh, and it was really, really interesting getting a taxi to like your work. Uh, but from once I was there, I was able to meet people that were in my area and uh, they just gave me rides back and forth until I got my car. So you were you were you were making it you were making it work. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's pause right here with Dave. And all right, Jessica, why don't you tell us again? So you had uh, uh, you were a three peat intern with Exxon Mobil. Your first one, you said, was in Houston and then you were in California and then back to Houston. Correct. So yeah. it was. Houston, California, and then I did one in Virginia, and then back in Houston. Okay, so you did four. I had nothing, I had nothing better to do in the summer, so it was fantastic. You were just raking it in. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so tell us, uh, tell, tell me your story. I'm gonna let you set it up. Yeah, yeah. So my story to Damon is a little, uh, it's a little different because my parents were a bit more supportive, well, drastically more supportive. However, their mentality of, of what I wanted to be when I grew up and that fear is the same exact one. Yeah. So very early on, since I was in junior high, I did like summer internship, I mean, summer engineering programs. And in high school, I did one with Baylor for the summer for like, and I, I did a couple of things like this. So they knew very early on that my passion was engineering. And I think they were very for me doing engineering. But I think the fear went back and forth of like, oh, shoot, that means she's going to leave. Or does that not mean she's going to leave? So uh, my first internship was in Houston. I told my parents. They were very excited, especially when I told them that I was going to get a really good salary. Yeah. However, the fear was still there of how are you going to go? You're barely 19 because, I mean, I, I was a freshman when I got it. So for my parents, they wanted to be supportive. But at the same time, they definitely feared their young girl going away to a large, large city. Yeah. So they decided to come with me. So you can imagine three little kids. At the time, the youngest one was four years old and then a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old. And then my mom, my dad, all in like a hotel suite yeah. with two-bed pull-out couch and a van that kind of worked. 
So my dad would drop me off every day to work in our main headquarters in Greenspoint and then pick me up. We really enjoyed the summer. They were able to get very involved and they stayed there all summer. Thankfully, since my mom's a teacher, it lent itself really well. And then the next summer, obviously, according to them, I'm still very young. And, you know, leaving the valley was very difficult. I told them, you know what, I'm going to California. I'm not going to be there for my whole career. It's just for this one internship. So kind of like slowly prepping them that I will leave at some point to different places. Uh, but I'm going to come back, kind of help them a little. But California seemed very far for them. So, again, they went with me. We were another hotel suite, all of us crammed in there for a whole summer. So at times I would call them and be like, can you guys please pick me up in the refinery? And they were like, well, we're, we're in downtown Disney right now. So <laughs> it turned but, into vacation. <laughs> yeah, it was for them. It was a long vacation. And, and because I'm at the same time we get paid well, I was able to also so, tell my parents like, look, I'm willing to like help out and, and put money in here so you guys can support me. So it was kind of, like a give and take. That for my last one, it, it was in Fairfax. My siblings were a little bit older and it's a little more difficult. Yeah. And that's when it, it became a little slightly more difficult talking with them and just helping them understand like, hey, look, this company, it's it's going to bring me back home home now for for them being Houston's because now they see Houston as, as home versus Houston as like California and Fairfax are just so much farther that Houston's a, such a better scenario. So for Fairfax, I went by myself and somewhat similar to Damien, I, I figured out getting a ride through the summer and the whole car scenario. And then the very last one was in Houston. And, and during that time, my parents were like, all right, we, we think you can do it without us. And of course, they visited all the time. But so for them, like, I think the battle was a little bit more difficult early on of, of like, is our young daughter in the engineering field adequate or not? But they were very supportive along the ways, but they definitely made it very vocal when it was difficult or when they had fears. So I think it was more of a joint effort. So together we would like talk to other engineers and try to talk to other parents that are dealing with the same situation. So we worked it more as a team to try to figure it out. See, and and, and this is what I kind of saw like when we first talked about this back in uh, in uh, in Phoenix was okay. And you're right. You kind of said, hey, Damien's was a little bit more in your face about, you know, the, the, a little bit more conflict with with his mom. And I shared my you know, I was not doing engineering at the time. But even when I left home, it was still very much in a in a friction state. I'll just put it put it lightly. Right. But then we had that discussion around the fear and and, and common to your story and Damien's and, and mine was just that fear of the unknown of what's going to happen out there. And what I loved about y'all's uh, story was the the fact that, okay, they kind of, in their own ways, both your, you know, Damien's mom and your parents figured out a way to start working through it. Like where Damien's was, hey, get some, you know, Damien's mom was, hey, go talk to some people and so on. And, and, and then uh, I, I loved <laughs> yours. Parents were like, well, we'll just go with you, <laughs> uh, which was, uh, which was, which was different, but uh but it worked. It was a slower transition for them, but it eventually got there. One of the summers, actually, I volunteered for Bring Your Child to Work Day. And I was able to take my sister because she fit that age gap. <laughs> so that was also some of her early introduction of like, oh, this is a company and this is what engineering is. Mm -hmm. So that was like one of her first glimpses where my parents were like, okay, this is something that they care about my daughter. They care about the safety. 
like they provide good career planning. And now that we've talked to other people, they, it, it seems like it's, it'll be okay and she'll be safe. That's awesome. So Jessica, you also shared afterwards, Hey, you went through all this, but, uh, and you, and you kind of talked about the evolution of your parents getting more comfortable with you leaving. Uh, can you share what this, what this has done for your, for your sister? And I think you even mentioned some cousins, if I remember correctly. It's a cakewalk for them, at least from my eyes now. So my sister did her first uh, internship, also as a freshman, with Chevron. She was able to go by herself. She roomed with, like, three other girls. Obviously, the whole family visit her multiple times because, I mean, we're still this very tight family. But she's doing engineering, and uh, my brother also graduated with engineering. And then I have two cousins well, doing internships with Boeing and another one here in the Houston area. So I think... For all of them, it has become very just normal to say, hey, I'm going to go do an internship and I'm going to go far away and I'll come back. Like now everybody even knows what an internship is. They even ask other cousins, like, why haven't you done your internships? Which is something that would have been very shocking for, I don't know, like a Hispanic parent in the Valley that would do a minimum wage job or something to ask somebody else if they've done their internships. But now they're all very educated, well-versed, and they can truly see, I think, what success is and how success, how far it can go versus before maybe in their eyes, success means, Hey, maybe making 30, $40,000 a year, staying plateau your whole career and doing one job versus now success for them is it's a much better salary. You're able to travel and you're able to develop and grow and manage like large numbers of people or really huge complex technical problems. So I think they've really redefined what success means to all of them. So, so your parents are now like an, do your like other aunts and uncles, are they the people that they go talk to whenever they need to get advice about their kid taking off? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, and now we've even all developed somewhat of a network. So it's like, Hey, what company are you doing your internship with? I have some friends there and like the whole like living situation or rooming or anything like that has become much easier. That's awesome. And Damien, so for you, like, what is your, any, and I know you kind of said your mom kind of sees things a little different, but has it, has it uh, created a, a different opinion for her in general or? Uh, you know, it, she's, she actually like uh, understands kind of what, what, what I had to do and what um, kind of how I was able to be successful. Um, and she actually, every time she, she encounters, you know, somebody at work or, you know, friends that she has that have kids that are in college. She gives me a call and says like, Hey, can you give uh, my friend's uh, son a call and just kind of teach him about like internships and teach him about like his resume. So like I've gotten so many different, uh, you know, just referrals from my mom and her friends. So, you know, she, she understands that, you know, that's kind of some of the essentials uh, to be, successful in an engineering career yeah so hey moral of the story parent like parents can change and things can change and yeah some people might you might have to be the brunt of the uh, of the adjustment but there is still growth that can happen in 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 a very tight uh culture and i don't think it's because i think the tightness of the culture is what may institute the fear at the beginning but if you are able to like make those same family members advocates well that same culture and that same family is just going to make it even better for for others so and 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 look yeah. i i really 
when I heard y'all's story, some of the students that came directly to my mind, of course, was UTRGV. Like I've shared that, hey, I go do recruiting at UTRGV, but the same thing can be said about New Mexico and El Paso and so on. So what would y'all, and I want to hear from both of y'all, what would you your advice be to that current college student who is dealing with this kind of uh issue with uh, with their immediate family like they're having to decide or having the fear of of having to have this confrontation with parents or whatever what would you say to them and i'll i'll let jessica why don't you go first yeah so so i think the very first thing to kind of reiterate to any parent would be that although this is like quote unquote an american job or what we would stereotype this more like of american kind of engineer would be more an american role it doesn't come with the American culture. So just because we're doing this doesn't mean we're going to fall into every single line of, hey, we're never coming, like, in their eyes, right? Uh, we're never coming back for, like, Thanksgiving or Christmas. Like, we're going to slowly stop seeing you. We're going to put you in a nursing home. Because this is, like, it sounds funny, but this is what they're thinking. Yeah. Kind of telling them, like, hey, I'm doing a, an American role, but I'm still staying with my culture and still doing what I love and, of course, like, seeing you all. And, like, the importance of educating your parents and trying to educate them as early on, right? And just trying to find other people that you see as successful and so the parents can talk to each other. And and uh, and at the end, sometimes it just comes to very similar to Damon's example. Sometimes it just comes to, you know what, I'm going to do this and either you support me or, or we're going to have to figure something out. And just like making them come out of their bubble or their shell a little. Yeah, and... Uh- you know, I think Jessica made a lot of great points. And uh, one of the things that even for me uh, that I've realized through my five years at ExxonMobil is that, you know, success is personal, right? Um, you know, my definition of success is very different from, you know, your definition of success. So, you know, just have that at the back of your minds that, you know, you're the one that's going to define that. Um, for me, it was very clear uh you know my success was going out getting an engineering job um you know it wasn't the the success that maybe was put upon me from my my mom or from family members um you know i i made success personal right so whatever uh i thought i would be happy with whatever i felt satisfied working with whatever kind of fulfilled me um, that's what I chased. I, I, I want to be extremely respectful of your time. Uh, and I appreciate you guys making yourself available and, and being vulnerable and sharing some of this personal stuff. Right. And I know this can be uh, a lot of people aren't willing to tell your, their stories, but I'm really thankful that y'all did. Cause I think some student, there's some student there uh, he, here in, in Texas somewhere that is dealing with this right now. And my hope is that they'll kind of hear it and kind of have a, help them get their longer term perspective. Like here's two people that came from the same type of similar situation. And there is a version of success uh, that might be a little painful, but it's extremely, extremely worth it. So again, guys, I thank you very much for uh, coming on and for, for sharing your stories. Oh, thanks for having us, man. No, thank you for your time.